Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What the heck is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast, your home for all things Xbox here at Kind of Funny. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Snowbike Mike, and today you'll notice both of my gaming dads are absent from the podcast, but I have replaced them with one of my gaming heroes. Stepdad. The stepdad. <laughs> I like that. I had Jeff grab my gaming daddy, Ryan McCaffrey. Uncle gaming uncle? The gaming <laughs> uncle feels right right there. Of course, IGN's own podcast unlocked host, one of my gaming heroes, Ryan McCaffrey, on the show. Ryan, what's up, man? Good to have, uh, good to be here. No, yeah. you're having me. Good for me to be here. Uh, I love, man, that the Halo theme music, which you must be like riding right on the edge of getting sued <laughs> with getting that, touched, like yeah. right there. But it just it fi- it fires me up every time. Oh, thanks, Ryan. It. Yeah, shout out to Tim and the team for creating, of course, the incredible set yeah, and awesome great. music soundtrack for the intro. I mean, we have really gone above and beyond for our Xbox product is right. I'm glad that you like that because I noticed on your side, we get to give each other compliments now. <laughs> Let's do it. Two hosts of Xbox shows. You got Steve Downs as the open. What was that like? Do you love hearing that? Have you switched it up before? What do you like about the, your The audience loves it. I love it. That actually came about uh, during COVID when you know everybody was just like voice actors couldn't work uh, by and large and uh steve went on cameo okay which like seems like cameo had a moment that's over now yeah. which is a shame because like i like cameo um yeah he was doing a thing where uh it was however much money to to get him to record a greeting for you and but it was all going to i think it was might be maybe a military veteran charity, oh, okay. some sort of charitable thing where he wasn't keeping i mean i would have been happy to pay him anyway but I was like, oh, this is perfect. Uh, I'll, just see, I'll just ask him to record a, an intro to Unlocked, which I think now like, is, they've like, caught on and that, like, they don't do that anymore because it is kind of ch- cheating a little bit. Okay, like, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, he, he just did that on Cameo. I had him do one for my Tesla podcast as Sweet. well. Sweet. Yeah. He, like, he, he makes like a Warthog reference to the Cybertruck. Nice. Because um, again, it was all for charity. Why not? And and so, yeah, kicking it off with, with, with Steve Downs, is uh, that gets me going every time, too. I like that. How many iterations of your intro have you had over the years, Ryan? Because you've been in the game for a long time. Yeah. You know, it's, Some would you, say too long. You and Greg Miller, my <laughs> gaming uncles, my heroes, right? I mean, how many intros have you done? And especially not only the music and the video package, but, like, your intro when you welcome everyone. Because I've seen you're pretty consistent with yours. you got the episode yeah, number. Yeah, I'm, I'm a routine-oriented guy, I guess. But I'm very predictable. In have you regard. played with it before? What have you done? Uh, I don't know. I mean, we've, but we've, we've had little, like, listener-submitted musical jingles to open with because the unlocked has kind of gone back and forth between being like an audio first podcast and a video first podcast. We're trying to do both mm-hmm. these days. 
um, just meet the audience wherever they are. But yeah, it's it probably could use some freshening up. We've been we've been rocking the Steve Downs intro for a while, but it's one of those things where when you know, I'm, I'm very lucky to do what I do at IGN, but I've you know I've got like a, a million things to do every week, and so sadly, like find new intro for Unlocked ends up pretty far down. <laughs> the priority list, but uh, as long as people are, are happy, that's all that matters. Uh, I know I'm always happy each and every week I get a new Unlocked. And we've been having a lot of guests recently, of course. Destin is always on. Shout out to Stella for joining the crew now. It's been really great. Miranda, always an incredible voice. But you've been showcasing a lot of guests, which I really appreciate you doing. Yeah, that's been one of the best things to come out of the otherwise awful pandemic situation is this sort of embracing of remote stuff yes you know you you remote paris in all the time here and that's something we literally would never do that we just we didn't even have the tech infrastructure because it was just a thing that nobody really thought about right like oh well if they come to town you know developer or whatever sure we'll have them in but like zoom existed but it, we just never we never kind of thought that far through it yeah and i so, remember back in 2018 when I, when I was there like the one of the early ideas i remember me and alexio had was like we would put a TV on set to, yeah. for people to be coming in. <laughs> yeah, it's like there were those initial little experiments. But, yeah, it's been nice that, that uh, the, the remoteness of the pandemic sort of forced us to rethink that stuff. And now I can have anybody on from no matter where they live, you know, what they're up to. And, and it's just, honestly, for, for me, it's made Unlocked better because we've gotten so many different voices and perspectives that we just weren't otherwise featuring we weren't otherwise sharing with with our audience so yeah that's been uh that's been i think unlocked is is in that regard certainly better than ever that's great yeah i mean it is better than ever it's nice to have new voices coming in i'm lucky to have you this week we had jeff grubb last week of course phil spencer we'll talk about that interview but you're so a little right. humble brag right there. A little yeah. Uh, hey, I got one on you, Ryan. I got one. <laughs> no, you guys did a great job. I, I, I was telling you before we got on, you, it, there, there is a, there is a line that ha you have to walk that I know the audience doesn't necessarily care, nor should they care about. But you, you know, when you have somebody like, like he's the CEO of a, well, like the head of Xbox, right? Satya Nadell is the CEO, but he's the head of a multi-billion-dollar arm of a, of a, of a trillion-dollar corporation. And again, when you, know, you have a guy like that in, it's A, it's, it's a rare opportunity. Uh, I don't think I've had him on for a couple of years now. It's been a, it's been a bit. But, and then when you do, you know, it's, you, you got to treat him respectfully because they're a guest. You treat any guest with respect. But you also, you know, it just, it so happened you caught him in the middle of this Redfall nightmare for them. But you also have to, you have to do right, you have to be respectful to your guests, but you also have to do right by your audience and ask these questions that deserve to be asked. And I, th I thought you guys honestly did a really good job of walking that line. It's for, for those of you who, are, who listen, who watch, you, know, you may not think about it and that's okay, but it's, I know from experience, it's a really hard line to walk. And, and I, I do applaud you guys. You did a great job because that's, you know, it, it, it turns into suddenly this in amazing opportunity for you where it's like, holy shit, this could kind of put, you know, this could really up our, up our, you know, notoriety for better or for worse, depending true, on how this true. goes. Yeah, yeah. You know, if, if you're too soft with them, you let them off the hook, then it's like, oh, those kind of funny guys are just Microsoft kiss asses. Or if you're too hard on him, then it's like, you know, if your audience might pick up on that, like, oh man, because 
you know, Xbox gamers like Phil. He's a yeah. likable human being. From I know from just spending time with him, not with microphones in front of our faces, he is a nice human being. I'm sure you you picked that up too. But you know, you, you can't be you you, you got to ask him the tough questions because it's we're all customers of this this again this multi billion dollar arm of a corporation that that he runs, and you know he he needed to to uh, answer for for what was going on, and and so yeah, I was. I was really uh, to just, I guess, to, to embrace my uh, temporary status as as gaming uncle here. I was really proud of you guys. Thanks for for that, because it's it's uh, yeah, you and Gary and Paris did a great job on it. Thanks, Ryan. I really appreciate that. It means a lot coming from you for me to be in the building, and I know they'll appreciate that when they listen in and hear that. But yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the Phil interview, and of course, I want to talk all things Xbox with you. But just in a moment, because of course, this is the kind of funny X cast we post. Each and every Thursday at 6 a.m. West Coast, Best Coast time on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games, RoosterTeeth.com, and of course on podcast services around the globe. But don't forget we are now Epic Games Partners, which means if you are upgrading your look in Rocket League, buying that new season pass in Fortnite, or buying anything off the Epic Games Store, please use our Epic Creator Code Kind of Funny at checkout to help support the team in a brand new way. And talking about support, we always like to thank those who support us here at Kind of Funny via Patreon, whether you're backing us just enough to watch the show live, or if you are one of our Patreon producers like Delani Twinning, thank you so much for supporting us. This week, the Kind of Funny X-Cast is sponsored by Rocket Money and RTX, but we'll tell you all about that in just a little bit. Ryan, let's talk about the Phil Spencer interview. Of course, everyone spoke about it two weeks yep. ago. They've all had their different takes. We played a clip of it on Unlocked. That's how I, I so, you, know, you got some serious promotion <laughs> on IGN. Again, well-earned, well-deserved. Thanks, Ryan. But like you said, he was open. He was yep. honest. He had taken one on the chin with that team from Redfall and, of course, the CMA blocking that Activision Blizzard King acquisition. Yep. What were some of your thoughts coming out of that initially when you heard, of course, his openness of, you know, Xbox's new path and their vision of it's not just going to take great games. Well, I did a whole show on it after, uh, but yeah, it's, I, I, I don't, I did not agree. Uh, I, the 360 getting, getting great games is exactly what pulled people from the PS2 over to the 360. Uh, and his point about digital ecosystems and people being kind of entrenched in those ecosystems because they've spent money there. They have uh, virtual, you know, their friends list there. It's, that point's well taken, but I, for me, as, as a gamer, somebody that's been playing games forever, and Phil's a gamer too, I'm not trying to say, like, I'm a gamer and he's not, but from, from my point of view, he, it's, yeah, it's, we do have these digital ecosystems that we're entrenched in, but that, but it, so it, to me, it just, it takes longer to, you know, he was talking about how there's no more generational reset where you can just, like, oh, new, fresh start, Everybody's at zero. We can grab some market share now uh, if, we, if we do the right stuff. Like, yeah, it's, it's not like it was two, three generations ago, but you make enough of those 11 out of 10 games that we hope Starfield is going to be, uh, and the, the, probably the first of many, then in time, like, okay, yeah, when, when PlayStation 6 and Xbox Series Y come around, well, then you're going to get that person, you're going to get that gamer to go, yeah, I mean, I've got a bunch of friends and games that I've bought digitally on PlayStation, but man, you know, the Xbox has been killing it. I've just been spending more of my time over there. It's not to say you're going to switch, but maybe you're going to buy 
you're going to buy the next Xbox first and pick up your PlayStation 6 later, and you're going to sort of move over to Xbox as your primary. You're going to spend more money there. Not It's, it's not an all-or-nothing proposition anymore. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, I mean, hey... I, these are expensive consoles, so I don't, I don't mean to... I'm, I'm sitting here from a position of great privilege where I get to own these for my job. So I, I know that they're not cheap and that some people do have those decisions to make. But I just... I did. I disagree with Phil on, on the, you know, the, 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 this sort of, well, we're in third place mentality. It's like, that wasn't, that wasn't the attitude that, got, that, that had you basically winning North America in the 360 generation. Yeah, that was a really interesting attitude. And, of course, I know we got cranky Phil during that interview. <laughs> and maybe a week later, he's feeling a little bit different. But, yeah, there was a different kind of defeatist attitude there. And, no, it's just not enough. And I think a lot of the fans said, no, that is what it needs to take right now. And as we look forward to the rest of the year, Ryan, right, first-party lineup. Yeah. Right? I think we talk about Game Pass and third-party. Third-party's bringing it always. They got a lot of great games. Game Pass – been very thankful for a lot of great third-party deals as well. But when we look at the first-party lineup, year one of the new console, people say it was pretty good. Year two, not as good. Year three here, how are you feeling at the halfway point? And when we look forward, right, you have Age 4 on console, right? You have Forza still undated, and you have Starfield. Is that enough, Ryan, or do you need more? Well, we're at the point where it's just the, the, the timing the timing for of Redfall being... A disaster. Let's, I don't think that's being hyperbolic. Redfall was a disaster. Uh, and I don't think uh, the timing could have been worse. Because if, if Redfall had come in the middle of that incredible run in the second half of 2021, the Forza Horizon 5, the Halo Infinite, the Psychonauts 2, and yes, I recognize Psychonauts 2 by virtue of a previous arrangement, was, was a multi-platform game, but it was a Microsoft-published game. Um, if if it, Redfall had landed in there, I don't think it would have been nearly... It would have been a big disappointment. We would have done shows about it. It's yeah. not that we would have ignored it and be like, ah, whatever. But the the fact that we came off the one of the worst years of Xbox in a long time in 2022, and not because it was bad, just because there wasn't... There weren't a lot of exclusives, particularly those, those AAA blockbuster yeah, exclusives... Yeah. Uh, so it was really just the timing of it. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And yes, Hi-Fi Rush, shout out. Awesome. But there is, Hi-Fi Rush was, even if it had been announced ahead of time, it, I mean, it was awesome that they did it as this surprise shadow drop, pulled it off. That was awesome. But if, even if they had announced it ahead of time, that was never going to be in the, the Redfall category in terms of it, it wasn't a AAA production. It was 20, 30 people. It was a smaller passion project, which, again, those have a ton of value, but it's, it's just a different level when you're talking about the 50-plus million dollar AAA blockbusters, the tent poles of your first-party lineup. And so that's where the Redfall situation was was really tough and now for the so for the second half of these so basically we've had one awesome smaller surprise yep. in hi-fi rush minecraft legends by all accounts very good not a game that i think the people watching this show the people watching my show the core gamer that's not agreed a, a game that they're like pre-ordering and 
you know, go into a midnight launch for mm -hmm. if those were a thing anymore, which I, it was for Zelda. Cause, but you know, generally speaking, we're, we're uh, not doing those, but so now that leaves us. Okay. So basically we, you know, one small win again, not, I'm trying, not trying to minimize hi-fi rush, but all right. One, one smaller scale win, one big disaster and one solid game that doesn't move the needle for the, the core gamer. Yeah. Yeah. So we head into the second half. Uh, I think, I think what Xbox gamers have been looking for is momentum. And that's what Redfall ruined. Yeah, yeah. It ruined the momentum that, that Hi-Fi Rush started. If Redfall had been even very good, not even great, like we wanted it to be great, but even if it was only very good, could have kept that momentum going and towards Starfield in September and then towards Forza Motorsport which we've been waiting a long time for Forza, and I'm, I'm super pumped for that for a couple reasons. One, uh, no Forza, Forza has one of the best track records in all of gaming. You think about it, there have been seven motorsports. This will be the eighth. Yes. And there have been five Horizons. None of them, not only have none of them missed, They've all, every single one of them, been a 9 out of 10 or higher. Do, wow. you, do you disagree with me? No, no, no. Right? I think I'm, they make I'm a great product over the truth there. here. Both think, teams, yeah. So, yeah, Playground and Turn 10. I mean, it's just the consistency is insane. So you're talking about 12 games all of a 9 or higher caliber. So there's every reason to be excited for that, uh, plus the fact that they have taken so long that they, are, they have rebuilt this thing technologically for the Series X. We are leaving the Xbox One behind. So I'm excited to see how that looks. I mean, we've seen a little how it looks, how it plays, how it performs. That's just going to be great. So I do think that's going to drop this fall, uh, unless they run into some roadblock, and maybe that's why they haven't given us a release date yet. And if they end up needing to take more time, fine. Of course, we, no, nobody wants the rush thing, especially, you know, I know the pressure has got to be on for all the teams now yeah, with, with yeah. sort of the general gamer sentiment, Xbox community sentiment. But, um, and then you've got to, you got to, I mean, you asked specifically first party and I'm, this is a really long winded answer. You should cut me off. Anytime. Oh no, keep going. I love hearing but then, it. I love you know, talking. You, there's, there's two, uh, wild cards this fall. And I okay. say wild cards, not so much for the quality purpose, I'm pretty confident in their quality. I mean, certainly in one of them. The other one's a little bit of an unknown, but um, these are third parties, but they're Xbox exclusives. They're, okay. So we've got uh, Stalker 2, oh, Art okay. of Chernobyl, yep. which again, I think a lot of people have kind of forgotten about, and, and understandably so, that team, Ukrainian development team, uh, they've been fighting off a literal war at their doorstep. Something that I don't know if any video game development team has really faced before. I mean, it's, it's in extraordinary circumstances. And so the last update we got from that team, well, technically we had a trailer on IGN on literally like December 30th, which was a great trailer, did millions of views, clears, there's still interest in that game. But the last real update we got from them was the Xbox extended showcase from a couple days after the main showcase last June when uh, there was that just incredibly moving... Yes, remember that? Uh, uh -huh. ...sort of dev diary explaining how, like, the, how the war, this invasion by Russia, has affected their team and that, that they're, 
There are development team members who have literally taken up arms to defend their country. Um, I can't remember if that was before or after uh, they, they tragically had one of their I remember team that as well, yes. killed in combat. So um, all they had given us was 2023 for Stalker 2. And I don't think you'll find a single soul in the Xbox community that will be the slightest bit upset if that game ends up not making 2023. True. Because these are, you know, it's, it's a literal life and death situation. Also in that same situation are the Ukrainian developers of Replaced, which is Paris's. Paris's big game big, right there. Yeah, yeah. It's, his, it's his hot indie, and I don't blame him. I mean, that, that jumped out at me. It jumped out at a lot of us when it was first shown about, what, two years ago maybe? So if, if either or both of those land this fall as well, that's, that makes the, the Xbox fall look a heck of a lot nicer. Again, if they don't, Nobody's going nobody's gonna to be upset. We'll get them when we get them, and hopefully they're going to be fantastic and those, all those developers can, and their families can, remain, can be and remain safe. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting fall. Uh, I, I guess the worst-case scenario is we don't get Stalker 2, we don't get replaced, and Forza needs more time, and Starfield is it. Yeah. That's the worst-case scenario. Uh, now, of course, we're... We're hoping that, that Starfield is going to be that 11 out of 10. I, I, I want nothing more. I mean, and you have every reason to be excited for that possibility. You have Todd Howard and a veteran team at Bethesda Game Studios who've all worked together for 20-plus years. These guys made Fallout 4. They made Skyrim. They made Oblivion. They made Fallout 3. I mean, their track record is incredible. So you got a, a new IP from them exclusive to uh, the Xbox on next-gen only platform. There's a lot to be hyped for there. But that, so that's the worst-case scenario, is that, at least in terms of output, yeah. uh, is that Starfield's really all we get. But the best-case scenario is that we get all that stuff, and it's one heck of a fall. You make it sound like a packed fall is right. A better second half than I would expect. Yeah. You add, of course, those two third-party partnerships in there with those exclusives, right? And you look down the list, that starts to really pack in the fall that I think the Xbox gamers need, like yes. you said, right? That momentum yeah. was there. We've been promised so long from Matt Booty and the team, one big exclusive every quarter of the mm -hmm. year. That's our goal, right? And you thought that Redfall was going to be that domino. Really, Hi-Fi Rush could have been that domino if Redfall didn't miss, right? Like, yeah. there's your start. Hey, we're looking at a pretty solid year. And it just seems like, oh, we've missed the domino line now. We need to restack, yeah, start which over. is a problem. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then, you know, you talk about momentum, and then we look ahead to, I know there's, there's, a, there's an outside optimism, I think, that uh, Hellblade 2 could land this fall. Yeah. I'm not pinning any hopes on that. I mean, the showcase will really tell us one That's way or the other, right? Date, right if, if it's coming out this fall, we're going to get a release date at the showcase. That's okay. Take that to the bank. Like, like that. If it's out this fall, we will absolutely get a date at the showcase. Um, and if it's not out this fall, it probably will still be at the showcase, and maybe they'll give a window, like a, you know, winter 24 or spring mm -hmm. 24. Or, we'll see. But, but you know, you've, if, if Starfield can be that game, the game that it now basically has to be yes yeah uh that has no choice but to be that game <laughs> then yeah i mean forza the the you know the the vegas odds on that being excellent are extraordinarily good 
for all the reasons that I rambled on about five minutes ago. So you could get, you could, Starfield could really get that momentum going. Starfield into Forza, into Stalker, whenever it drops. I know not a first party game, but an exclusive, which is what Xbox gamers have been missing. It into Replaced, hopefully, and then into Hellblade 2. And then we kind of see where 24 takes us, whether that's Gears 6, Ooh. Avowed. Yep. You know, those seem to be, uh, wh you know, what's going on? Is Everwild still kind of, is that still way the heck out there? Or was that coming up next year? So, yeah, there's, we're, we're set up well for, for, the, for the momentum. But I think you put it well, of having to just, Redfall just ruined that, that, uh, that domino fall yeah. of like, all right, we got to stack everything up and start over here. You know, Ryan, we, that's a great way of looking at the second half of the year. And you brought up so many points. I, I actually am interested. I want to talk Forza with you for just a yeah, moment. Let's do it. Right, because, of course, we're coming off of Rally Adventure. Right, we just had that DLC. Not, in my personal opinion, as strong as the first Hot Wheels DLC. But it was good quality. If you oh, were yeah. into rally racing, if you were interested at all, that team nailed it. Right, I think people want this big, bombastic Lego racer DLC out of the team. But this one was a solid DLC if you wanted to jump into. Yeah, and I mean nobody is the thing is it, it fills a gap where you know the the like Colin McRae racing is MIA, you know, Codemasters now owned by EA is not really making a rally game yep. anymore, or at least they haven't in a while. Um yeah, you go back to <laughs> you go back in your Xbox history, Dice made made uh, Rally Sport Challenge, beloved game back in the day. That's that was uh, many battlefields ago, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, the playgrounds never miss. Those I, the, the word I always I always talk about them uh, on Unlocked, and I, I tweet a lot. Is I always if you see me tweet about playground, the word wizards is often in that in that sentence or in that tweet because the, the team is it's unbelievable what what they have achieved over the last. Well, let's see. Yeah, I guess about 10 years now. It's really, wild. Really talented. And that's where I want to go, of course, with Playground. I believe in 2021, you and your team at IGN gave Forza Horizon 5 Game of the Year. I, One I, of the only outlets that I saw go out there and give a racing game I the Game of the Year award. I could not have been happier than that. So, thought that was so you know, interesting. Four, I, if I remember correctly, so we, have, we are blessed at IGN to have uh, one of our editors who's in our Australian office in Sydney his name's Luke Riley. This guy, I would put him, in, in media certainly, I would put him up against anybody in terms of passion for and knowledge of the racing game genre. Luke Riley is the guy uh, when it comes to racing games. I mean, we throw every racing game at him, and he just, he just loves it. He loves the genre. And if I remember correctly, he gave uh, Forza Horizon 4 a 10, and and it was in the I remember you know it was in the discussions and we just it was that thing where racing games have this as you know this kind of uh, I'm forgetting the right word for it but almost like there's like a prejudice against them in terms of oh it's it's just a racing game yes yes we'll try it and uh, and through Game Pass the more and more people have actually like, I think Forza Horizon is one of Game Pass's biggest success stories in that it went from this it's always been a 9 out of 10 or 10 out of 10 series and as you know horizon is so approachable because it's motor forza motorsport is a racing game forza horizon in my opinion is a 
driving game, and there is a difference. I think Horizon is so much more approachable. It can be a pretty hardcore racing game if you want it to be, but it can also be a really chill, just like social game where, where you can just drive around in cool cars in a cool, you know, fictionalized version of a real place, smashing billboards and, and doing other little activities. And yeah, with, with Game Pass, I remember Microsoft would put out press releases that, oh, you know, Horizon 4 is up to whatever it was, you know, 10 million players or something just by virtue of people having access to it through Game Pass. And it, that series seemed to really build some momentum. And then when 5 came around and Playground, the Wizards at Playground hit it out of the park again, 10 out of 10 video game, uh, well-deserved from, from IGN and other outlets, we were finally able to get everybody in the office, even including people that don't normally play car games, to try it, and everybody's like, oh my gosh, yeah, this is great. And it was so, I felt so good for Playground that, that we did vote as we did and, and give them the game of the year because it was so deserving and it was able to overcome that it's just a racing game kind of prejudice. Yeah, I thought that was pretty special. And like you said, that was a great product. That was a game that was so approachable to so many. It is out of the, hey, you're on the track and you got to be perfect. You can smash into yeah. trees. You can drive through the river. It doesn't matter. Have fun. And that's a game, yeah, really benefited from Game Pass and a just really well done game where everyone can jump in. It was cool to see them get the flowers from you and your team. I thought that was really dope. And so where I want to go with this one is now we look at the year after. We look at this year. Xbox Game of the Year. These big titles. Can Xbox produce another Game of the Year? Is Starfield that when you look at Tears of the Kingdom, Diablo 4, Star Wars, right? Like, there's a bunch of bangers this year. Does Xbox have the juice to give you a Game of the Year this year, you think? There's no doubt. I mean, again, for every, everything I was just talking about with, you look at the pedigree of Bethesda Game Studios and you look at Todd Howard's resume, you look at the fact that uh, eight... Yeah, eight years has gone into this game. Yeah, I know there's, you know, they did some Fallout 4 DLC, but for all intents and purposes, it's eight years between Fallout 4 and, uh, and Starfield. So, yeah, it absolutely can be that. If, if Starfield had been able to stick its original date of 11 11 22, it, it, you know, it's timing is, you know, it's, it's like, uh, you know, in sports when, Somebody has a great season and, and wins the MVP. Well, maybe they're just other guys got hurt or, you know, and it's like, okay, yeah, you, you win MVP this year. But in other years, you know, the, the, there are just other guys that have, you know, guys that have great years and you have a great year, but like, yeah, it's maybe not quite enough. And if Starfield had been able to come out and be finished and polished and as awesome as we want it to be last year, there wouldn't, it sure would have had a, a great chance because it the, the, would have been a, a very limited field. And again, it's not to, I'm not trying to knock Starfield. It's just, yeah. but that was, last year was such a, a, a down year uh, overall in, in gaming, particularly on Xbox. But, you know, like you said, this year, it's tough competition in oh, 2023. Competition. It's yeah, yeah. Timing is everything. And, you know, Tears of the Kingdom is, is obviously going to be the front runner at this stage, but... I mean, it's uh, Jedi Survivor is on my short list yep. for Game of the Year. I mean, I hope Diablo 4 is going to get there based on 
having played Act One a couple times in the the <laughs> a breast, lot of beta gameplay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. if 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 Acts Two, you know, if the rest of the game stands up to Act One, Diablo Four is going to be in that mix for me at least, and and probably a lot of other people. And um, yeah, we'll we'll see. But you know, Final Fantasy Sixteen coming for Sony, you know, from via Square. Uh, it's there's there's a lot of competition this year on all Spider-Man as well. Spider-Man, yeah, it, absolutely. It, it's interesting because like you talk about the pressure now, especially after Redfall, but you line up all these games and they go, man, Starfield, you have an even more pressure just to be relevant in the year, right? Like I know Bethesda carries a lot of weight, but man, oh man, we've had some incredible games and I need this to be a I great mean, this, game. This is really unfair to say. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, knock anybody at Bethesda or, or, or anything, but if you're Microsoft, if, if you could have had a crystal ball, of course, you know, they, again, this is all this, the dumbest fictional hypothetical scenario that you could poke a million holes in, but for, for all these reasons we're talking about, if you, you never, probably could never get Phil Spencer to admit it, but I would imagine if, if in his, if he could, if he could like find a, a genie in a lamp and make a wish, he might wish to switch have have Elder Scrolls 6 and Starfield switch places so that Elder Scrolls 6 was the exclusive coming out this fall oh. and then Starfield is the new IP that they're going to do next because like there there's would you agree Mike that of every like the entire Xbox portfolio now including Halo including anything absolutely every any studio they've acquired everything they have that Elder Scrolls is now the biggest thing in their portfolio, bigger than Halo. The biggest and the baddest, Ryan. I I'm not afraid to say that at all, right? Coming off of what we've done with Morrowind, Oblivion, yeah. Skyrim, the, that the, when you think of what Todd is doing with Elder Scrolls, oh yeah, that's the, the, the biggest and the sales potential bad. of, you know, hey, hey, and again, I gave Halo Infinite's campaign a nine. Oh, love uh, we, You know, IGN very much liked Halo, loved Halo Infinite, and I still do. But you know, you look at, but you look at what Elder Scrolls has been, mm -hmm. and with how long of a wait it's been since Skyrim, because the team did Fallout Four, and as it turns out, now they're you know doing Starfield in between. I mean, Skyrim is a game that sold. We looked this up on it, so I, I have this relatively. This is going to be ballpark correct. It's thirty something million copies of Skyrim have been sold, and yeah, make the jokes about on all on your toaster uh -huh. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But uh, if, if uh, Skyrim, if, if Elder Scrolls Six were arriving in September and not Starfield, you'd, Microsoft would be absolutely in a, in a position to, to, to absolutely elbow out and go toe-to-toe go -to -toe with, with all these other, you know, with Tears of the Kingdom, with Spider-Man yep, 2. With yep. all, you know, Starfield... I'm psyched for it. I love that Todd Howard and that team are making us a new game in a new universe, but just from a sheer like brand power perspective, of course, a new IP starts from zero. It ha Elder Scrolls has been going for 25 plus years. It is built up over the course of five mainline games, this incredible brand power. And if Microsoft were dropping that exclusively Whoa. this fall, you know, that, that's that's a juggernaut that that can again can look directly eye to eye with any of these other games this year. Starfield just by virtue of being a new thing that people don't know what it is yet. True. 
don't know that they love it, uh, it, it will have a, a more of an uphill battle in terms of, you know, getting that a, attention against, you know, standing out in the crowd against all those other games. Because, you know, you, Zelda, Spider-Man, uh, Diablo, you know, all this stuff is, th- these are not just the, some of the biggest IPs and franchises in the world. They're, they're, they've all been going for like 20 plus years. Starfield has been going for zero years. Yes, exactly. So it doesn't change, it doesn't ultimately change what kind of game Starfield is going to be, but it does, there is a perception, there is a, there is that sort of like brand muscle that, that is a oh. real thing that like, I mean, I'm not on Bethesda's marketing team, but that's, that's something they have to wrestle with of like, we got to figure out how to, how to, you know, poke our head above the, above the crowd here when you've got all these, these actual titans that are, that are standing there in the room. Really well said, Ron. Yeah, it's so incredible to think about that brand and that recognition, right? But then also starting from zero with Starfield, right? You walk around the streets, hey, you know what Starfield is? Very low as opposed to, hey, you know what Elder Scrolls is? Remember Skyrim? Yeah, yeah. people are going to go And, and again, I don't, right? don't want to be, I don't want to sound hypocritical because like we, we as Xbox fans, we've been asking for new exclusive games for years. So I'm not, I'm not trying to spit in the face of Starfield at all. I'm just saying to your point about, about the can Starfield be like the game of the year this year, it absolutely can, but there, the reality of life and the marketplace is even if it is an 11 out of 10, it's got to contend with the Zeldas and with the, the Star Wars and the Spider-Men of the world. Big names is right. Interesting we talked about Skyrim because that was about a decade ago. And I want to talk about more a decade ago. 2011. That's uh, 12 years. I want to talk about a decade ago with you because in the news recently has been the Xbox One reveal. And of course, I know you know this was coming. Do we have to We got to talk about it with you. Reliving past trauma. (laughs) We're going to relive. Is this why you invite? Is this how you treat your guests? (laughs) We're going to relive those past traumas (laughs) right after a word from our sponsors. Shout out to RTX for sponsoring this episode. If you're looking to spend an amazing summer weekend in Austin, Texas, the RTX convention is the perfect excuse. RTX is a gaming, comedy, animation, and podcast festival that Rooster Teeth is throwing in Austin, Texas at the convention center from July 7th through 9th. And rumor has it a couple kind of funny people whose names may or may not rhyme with Mo Trike Like and Loie Moel are planning to head down to party as well. RTX has so much to offer over the three days with activities like a free paranormal-themed escape room, Achievement Hunter, mini-golf, V-tubing with Ruby characters, and over a dozen live shows with guests like Dungeons & Daddies and Therapy Gecko. There are also evening events each night, from parties to a comedy showcase, an evening rave, and everything in between that can be found in Austin. Buying Ultra and Platinum badges will get you the highest perks, but there is also a solid deal right now where people that purchase week Weekend and daily badges get another badge for 50% off. Go to rtxaustin.com to select badges and to find additional information. Don't miss out on one of the biggest parties in Austin this summer. Shout out to Rocket Money for sponsoring this episode. We all love gobbling up content and we have an understanding of what subscriptions we use, or do we? Do you know how much your subscriptions 
daily cost. Most Americans think that they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions when the actual total is closer to 200 plus. You could be wasting hundreds of dollars each and every month on subscriptions that you don't even know about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors spending and it helps you lower your bills all in one place. Rocket Money has saved some of us here at Kind of Funny a ton of money and it can help you too. Rocket Money also helps you manage all your finance in one place and automatically can help you categorize your expenses so you can easily track your budget in real time. So stop throwing your money away. You can cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash kindoffunny. That's rocketmoney.com slash kindoffunny. rocketmoney.com slash kindoffunny. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Yeah, Ryan, it was so interesting because I told all my friends. I was like, oh, man, McCaffrey's coming. It's a big deal. And they're like, Mike, that's so dope. Like, this is incredible. He's got such a history. You got to ask him about some of the old school days or ask him about... TV, 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 sports, entertainment, TV, and what it was like in that war room of IGN. Because, of course, it's funny. Kebabs writes in and says, man, that Xbox One reveal is what got me really in to video games media with IGN and Unlocked and beyond. Yeah. And it's funny because I thought about it and it's like, that's when I became an enthusiast and really listened to your show all the time, listened to Greg and followed IGN was this big E3 summer blowout, of course, of the new console and then into E3 three weeks later. So what was it like in the room, of course, of a new console coming off of the 360 for you as an Xbox guy and then having that messaging during that briefing? Well, so I wasn't there for the actual, again, we're, so we're shooting this on May 23rd. It's either, it's like we're within a day or two yeah. of the actual 10-year anniversary of the unveiling of it, which took place up at Redmond, up yep. at Microsoft campus. I was not there for that. I forget why. Um, I think maybe I had to host some stuff like our live show back at, back at uh, IGN HQ. We sent Mitch Dyer, uh, who, was, who was my, my number two on our Xbox team, uh, out, to, out to actually be there. But I just remember them feeling like they'd lost the plot. Uh, it was, and you know, the, whoever, I don't know who like gets the original credit for the TV, TV, TV montage that like blew up on YouTube. Yeah. I mean that, but that, that really kind of said it all at the time. And, and what, you know, of course the ben hindsight's 2020, but we kind of didn't even need the hindsight. Like everybody could pretty well see it in the moment that, that Microsoft was trying to the, the reason the three, well, the big reason the 360 worked is because 
they knew they needed to aggressively court core gamers with good hardware, developer-friendly hardware, which, remember, back then, PlayStation wasn't. The cell, the cell architecture that would go into the, you know, the PS3 was, again, I'm not, this is not an Xbox fanboy thing to say, it was tougher to work on than a, a PC architecture, which is, which is what the 360 was. It was x86-based architecture. So they, you know, they courted developers, they had good hardware that was easy to work on, and you remember the famous story of, uh, of Epic Games going into a meeting with Microsoft uh, about Gears of War, and they, and they said, the guys at Epic said, well, we need more RAM in this con. If you want Gears of War, we need double the RAM. And Microsoft made the decision, even though it cost them a ton of money, they said, okay, yeah, we'll do it. Wow. And so that's, you know, they made, they courted, they successfully courted the core gamer in the early 360 days. And then it was the second half of the generation where the Kinect came in. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, and Matrix came in, and, and they went more for, like, you know, the, uh, Netflix was, the 360 was, like, the, one of the first devices that you could watch Netflix on. True, yep. And so that's when they started to get, go for more of the, like, we've got the core gamer in the family. Now let's try and get the rest of the family. Take over the living room. Yeah, let's get the rest say. of the family. Yeah. And with the Xbox One, I mean, it's literally in the name. I mean, the one, the all-in-one. Mm-hmm. They tried to skip step one of, of getting, focusing on the core gamer first. And they just figured, well, we'll, we'll just, we're going to get everybody. And Sony, to their great credit, they, and again, I'm sure there are going to be PlayStation fanboys that pick on this somehow, but, but I think it's generally fair to say that Sony, and I'm saying this as a compliment, ran, they ran the 360 playbook to perfection with the PS4. They went to an x86-based PC architecture for the console. They, they threw out Cell and their, you know, their own stuff that was weird to work on. They went with a, a PC-based architecture, powerful hardware, they courted a ton of developers. I don't know if you remember that original PS4 unveiling in February of 2013, which was like two months before the Xbox One unveiling was, when they had that like screen at the end where it was just it was just this entire screen filled with tiny little developer logos because they'd gotten so many wow. so many developers on board. Like they did everything that Microsoft had successfully done with the 360, and so yeah, the, the Xbox One they just they, they tried to, they skipped the crucial step one and tried to just fast forward right to the, the all-in-one part. Um, and so, yeah, that unveiling didn't go well. And then, for, for people that might not remember, like I said, it was, it was 10 years ago, like right about now. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, like two or three weeks later at E3, yep. you still had, back when E3 was still alive and kicking was the, the actual press conferences. Yes, the media briefing. Microsoft went it. first. Sony went that night. I can't remember if it was what the schedule was back then, but Sony went later. Whether yes, it was they the, did. That, that night or the next morning. And I, that one, so I, I, I was in the crowd. I was in the building for the Xbox media briefing. And that might have been the last one I was actually at in person because I've, Again, I'm lucky I get to host all this IGN stuff, so I'm back at our studio. I can't be at the Microsoft thing in person. So, but that one I was there, and, and I was seated like stage, I can't remember which, what stage right or left, but like 
I'm on the side of the stage, right? And I'm, so I'm more or less almost looking at the, straight on at the presenters. And I can see in the auditorium the, uh, the big giant screen that had the teleprompter on it for all the speakers that were coming out. And uh, like you and I were talking about before we went live here, like that showcase, that, that briefing was actually pretty good. Ryan, let me hit you with a couple yeah, of games please. right now because I, I watched both of these last night. Oh, you went back. Good for Kicks you. Kicks off with Metal Gear Solid Five with the gameplay trailer, right? Then we get Lost in Dark Souls 2 in there. Rise, Son of Rome. Killer yeah. Instinct is back. Sunset Overdrive is coming out with 10 Price. Forza uh, Motorsport 5. You got Minecraft hitting Xbox Motorsport 2 or 1? Motorsport 5. Sorry, I completely misheard. Uh, go ahead. And then you go down at the end, of course... You end with Witcher 3, Battlefield 4, and then they bring out Titanfall as the, hey, one more thing. It was a pretty uh, solid yeah, like hour conference. As, as history has proven, yeah, that, that's a really, really impressive list of stuff. Uh-huh. Black Tusk Studios as well as revealed, oh, which yeah. turns into Coalition. Right. That was a very interesting one. The spy thing? Remember, yeah. I was just going to say, game? Ryan, if you watch it, it's like, Black Tusk Studios, and you're like, okay. And then they show this like thing that looks like Splinter Cell almost, where the guy's on the side of a side scraper, yeah. and you're like, what is this? And then it's like, oh, okay, that's the, that's what they're doing. And then also Halo Five with three four three with Chief with the hood that everybody oh, remembers yeah. the hooded Chief. So yeah, pretty solid lineup here, Ryan. Yeah, uh, uh, and so that was all well and good until yeah, yeah, <laughs> the 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 end. Yes. So. Uh, Again, I would I would peek at the I would peek at the teleprompter just to see what was coming up because I can't help myself. I'm a journalist. That's what I do. I want to know what's going on. So because we're all we were all waiting too for the release date and the price. Okay. You know they okay. unveiled the con. We didn't get either of those things at that May initial event that that you know the TV 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 thing. So I was like, all right, what's but but they'd made it clear that Connect was going to be bundled. Like all right, we and at. Crucially, at that moment in time, we did not know the price of the PS4. Okay, so that this was, there was no, everybody kind of was wondering, are, is it going to be four? Is it going to be five? What are we looking at here? And, uh, and so I'm sitting there, and it's, it's winding down. Phil Spencer's on stage. It's the end. He's, and, and I'm looking up, and I see the November 22nd release date. Uh, and then I see... You know, because the teleprompter scrolls up, right? For those who have never seen a teleprompter before, it scrolls up, and then I, I was just—it was like I was, I was, like in a slow motion car wreck, <laughs> where I just see four hundred ninety-nine, ninety-nine, and I was just like, and then some, like, no, and then he's waiting back for the words to come out of Phil's mouth, no, and he says four, and the air goes out of the room, yep, gone. And it, was, it just ends on this horrifically sour note of just like, oh, 500 bucks. You know, the 360 had been 399 Yes. And w wildly successful, uh, at least at launch, obviously, it came down over time. And so that was, it was that, it went over that poorly, even without knowing that Sony would shove the, the sh you know, they would <laughs> shiv them the, uh, shortly thereafter, with three ninety nine and just keep twisting with the whole used, you know, how to trade games on, how to oh, share games yeah. on, on PS4. So just, yeah, even without take any competitive context, any fanboy comparison out of it, the price was just a death blow 
to that conference, and obviously history would go on to show that was a one of many horrible decisions that then when Phil Spencer, they kick Matrix ass out of there, and Phil's installed uh, as the head of Xbox in March of 2014, they unbundle the Kinect right away and f basically forget about that thing as quick as they can, get the price of the box down to $399. It's still a little underpowered compared to the PS4, not drastically, but you know, it turns into this whole 720p, 1080, you know, 900p situation, and it's just you know, the rest is the rest oh. is history. But yeah, that was that was one of the one of the. A memorable career moment of being in the theater <laughs> and having a view, because not everybody in the auditorium can see the teleprompter, because it's just, there's certain seats that I happen to be in one of where you can see, and it was just like, oh, no, oh. no, don't say it, please. Like you said, watching it, you can feel the air leave the room. There is a deafening silence, and then finally someone goes, ooh, and everybody starts to clap to just, like, get it moving. But there was a <laughs> silence there of, like, Oh, that didn't go over well, everyone. That's too bad. You You're know. reminding me the next time, I don't know if it'll be on the air or if I'll, this will have to be off, but the next time I see Phil, I got to ask him about that memory, like that moment yeah. for him on stage. Again, not to like torture him, but like it's been long enough that, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'd be curious what, to hear what he would, oh. how he would reflect back on that particular, particular moment. I mean, I, I did, we did talk kind of more generally about that on, um, I'm going to just quickly, shamelessly plug Get it in there, one Ryan. thing that's, it's really old. I'm not even, it's, but it's probably for Xbox fans. It's, it's, I mean, honestly, like if I were to leave IGN tomorrow, which I'm not, but if I were to leave IGN or, or die tomorrow, the thing I would want at the top of my career achievements list was Podcast Unlocked episode 201. We tried to make it 200. It didn't work out. But it was from uh, 20... Shoot, I think it was 2015, uh, and I managed to get, it took months of planning, and there's a lot of herding cats because executives with their schedules are impossible, but I had Phil Spencer, Peter Moore, and Seamus Blackley that I interviewed. That There we go. Up on the screen Barrett, right now if you're watching. It in. Uh, look at, this look is, at you, this Ryan. Is the, this yeah. is the best thing I've ever done in my career, and I, I honestly, I say that, I don't mean that to sound like egotistical. It's the thing I'm most proud of because... Not only was the, just getting these three guys in the same room really tough, which, again, the audience doesn't care. That's not their problem. It's my problem. But the conversation that we had, like I was, I had, you can see in front of me, pages of questions, <laughs> pages. So I tried to get them for two hours. I think we ended up bargaining down to an hour and a half. But then they stayed, like, I think it ended up being like an hour and 45 minutes. And I was smart enough to just kind of tee these guys up and then stay out of the way and let them talk. Mark, yeah, I like that. Because it was about them, not about me. And so, um, yeah, that, but that, that like, I, now I wish I'd asked that specific yep. thing on that. So <laughs> if you've never seen that, like, it's probably still entertaining now because, yeah, it's from 2014 or 2015 or whatever it was, but it's very historically based. So it's, it's those three guys each reflecting on their era of Xbox. So Seamus from the very beginning and inception, Peter Moore from those 360 glory days, and then Phil Spencer, who in that interview was, was also, he was really candid at that moment about, I think he said something like, that was the, it's been the toughest year of my career, you know, have, having to deal with the fallout of 
of a really difficult uh, Xbox One launch. Yeah, that was a, I, I remember watching that. I was a big fan back then. That was an amazing moment. So congratulations on that. Well, thank you. I, and you've I done a lot. It. You've done a lot of cool <laughs> things as well. There's been a lot of incredible moments. I want to look back on the Xbox One because when you talk about that May reveal, right? The first line, one of the first lines said is. For the first time, you and your TV are going to have a relationship. And I wrote, oh, no. You know? <laughs> like That's one of the first lines in this press conference that they put out there. But there is some bright spots, right? And that's what I want to highlight with you because there's some interesting ones, right? Like you talk about the X Xbox snap mode, which is almost like quick resume now where they were snapping between yeah. TV, gameplay. Oh, somebody just sent me an invite. I'm snapping over to this game. It was a very interesting thing for them to show. And now all of us to love nowadays, right? The, the problem was because the Xbox One was uh, just underpowered enough compared to the PS4 that they ended up, you know, they, they walked back so many of those multimedia TV features because mm -hmm. getting rid of the snap unlocked like whatever it was, 5% of the RAM. Wow. Like it just, it was, at least that's how I remember it going was they basically because they were stripping the thing back uh, after Phil took over, trying to sort of reposition it and refocus it as a games machine rather than an all-in-one TV device. But yeah, you're right. Like, it's it's that was a cool idea. It was Very it cool. was a neat thing. They it had the snap sidebar as well. You yeah. could picture and picture something. That big one was, of course, they signed that deal with the NFL for fantasy stats and having all that going on. Like. There's a lot of interesting things back then where it's like, oh man, nowadays I know gamers would love that idea if they still had the power and the idea to well, be able to do and, that. And I remember Microsoft started an uh, entertainment division. Yep. Where I went to a, a like a meeting for that with Microsoft where they they brought out like they'd hired I forget her name, but it was a woman who'd been like the head of CBS. Yes. I, I, again, I apologize, I forget her name, but where you know they were going to create a bunch of original programming as i recall of course the, the halo tv that show that was where was, it was, was announced was the centerpiece of yep. that but there was going to be there was going to be a forza show i if i i'm pretty sure i'm remembering that correctly um and then a a, a few other things wow. were going to be in the mix as well and yeah i mean again if you were to have that now you think oh yeah well right we have all these streaming services and if that were part of your xbox live or game pass subscription mm -hmm. like you were you had these original shows okay yeah i could see how that that makes a lot of sense in the current climate but the market just didn't did not want that at that moment in time yeah it was so interesting to watch and yeah you think man that was such a time right when you had that and you first opened up the box having to be able to plug in an hdmi from your cable box into that the pass yeah. through right like you don't see that anymore that was like you said stripped away that was gone real quick and so yeah it was so interesting when i looked at that and then, like we talked about, three weeks later, here we come with the games, and you've already had a bad taste in your mouth from that. Always Online was a big debacle that they had to check figure in. out. Yeah, the 24-hour check-in. That was crazy, right, Ryan? That was a wild situation. Did not go there. over well. No, yeah. and then, of course, game sharing and it being locked to your account, but your friend can't play that. But, well, no, Nancy Tellum, D.G. Mayer. Sorry, real quick, yeah. chat. Thank you, D.G. Mayer. Uh, Nancy <laughs> Tellum was the name of that CBS That executive. was her name is right. Oh, yeah. Also another interesting one, on that Xbox E3, Games with Gold was announced. That was the opening of Games with Gold, which is wild to think about hmm. with Halo and Assassin's Creed. And it's like, oh, man. Yeah. Now we kind of take for granted Games with Gold. I know all of our podcasts are kind of 
burnt out with yeah. that, and it's like this weird <laughs> blend of like, why are we still doing? Are we this done with thing? this? Yeah, are we doing just Game Pass? Where do we fall? You know, but that was interesting to be like, oh, that was a moment as well. We're going to give you free games with your yeah, subscription. Wh- what's What's really interesting is uh, again when you look back with the 2020 hindsight, the first party games actually weren't the problem in the first year or so of the Xbox One. Quantum Break. Okay, Rise was like getting sixes and sevens, but a lot of like a lot of people really like that. I love that. Like I would really enjoy that. Great story, by the way. The story was excellent. Like I agree that it was a six or a seven, but that was seemingly like something they could have built off of. Um, But yeah, you you had uh, Dead Rising three. I believe was in that window as well. Was a day one launch title. You know, you had. um, Twisted Pixel had their okay. Loco Cycle was the worst game they ever did, but <laughs> but that was like a talented studio that they had in their they had in their purview. Um, you know, you had Halo coming uh, down down the pipe. My Master Chief Collection was was in those. You know, it was broken, but like there was at first. So there was there was actually a lot. Uh, and then Sunset Overdrive being again. T- if you ask me, I've said this on my show. I'm gonna say it on yours. Uh, if you ask me what was the what's the greatest Xbox One game of all time, the answer is Sunset Overdrive for me. I, I like still that. think it's I think it's the best game the system ever had. Um, I know there were great third party games, and mm-hmm. if you want to just say it's the best exclusive, whatever. But I, that was that game was it's it holds up and it was great at the time. It just unfortunately was the victim of being on the Xbox at the worst pe- possible time. Like <laughs> yeah, when, yep. when, this, when Xbox was at its like lowest moment, oh, oh here's uh, Sunset Overdrive. Like, oh, well, nobody cares about this platform right now, so nobody is going to play this amazing game from Insomniac. So Which, good. if you play it, you absolutely see the foundational elements of what, of what became Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, I don't think Insomniac would argue that. Like, uh, anyway. Yeah, I like that. Another one, an interesting one I wrote down about um, Sunset Overdrive. Co-op, with the question mark I put, because I played that single player, but they promoted it like, oh, you can play this co-op. I was like, man, I didn't even know it was I don't co-op remember back that. then. <laughs> yeah, it was so interesting. It yeah, you see it, a couple of guys jump on screen. You're like, oh, man, I don't remember that being co-op. But it's fun. You bring up Sunset Overdrive. For me, it's Titanfall. That's fair. Titanfall on that yep. Xbox One, that defined a generation. That was first-person shooter. Hey, let's... Get away from Call of Duty. Let's give you some a little taste of something different, right? And of course, we all know what happened with Titanfall Two, placed in the wrong situation between two games well, and just gets sandwiched. But, but even yeah, that that is remains one of the biggest crimes ever biggest perpetuated crimes, yep. in, in gaming. And I know, I, I, EA and Vince Zampella, who I, I adore, Vince, I, I know him pretty well, has said like, no, it, you know, that was we did that con. Like, I still something went on there, like that. <laughs> There's just no way some something behind the scenes like there must have been some politics behind that. That's Ryan. But Call of Duty into Titanfall 2 and then Battlefield. That was an insane combo, which is awesome to see. We just recently had a big three with Halo Infinite, Battlefield and Call of Duty just last year or two years ago. So it was just wild to be like, man, this Titanfall 1 was incredible. Now we're putting sandwiching it. But even Titanfall 1 kind of like Titanfall was even kind of kneecapped a little bit by a the negativity around the Xbox platform. Yeah, I I completely agree that it's that is a killer exclusive that came like four months after the system came out. It was right in the launch window. So it was right there. But, you know, you've got the negativity around the the platform uh, and that 
it also suffered perception-wise, if n- n- nothing else, for not having a proper single-player. Multiplayer only. Like, nowadays, that's more accepted, where you can just, you know, it's granted it's like you'd put it out as free-to-play now yeah. and monetize it differently. But, yeah, like Titanfall 1 definitely suffered from not having, oh. not having that single-player campaign. Um, like Evolve did too. Remember that? that? Evolved, yeah, yeah, with Turtle like, Rock. Yeah, that yeah. was just not a thing that, again, the market didn't want that at that moment in time, at least not for 60 bucks. No. You know, now with free-to-play and different, different revenue models, you can do it. But, um, but yeah, like if, if the Xbox had gotten off to a more, the Xbox One had gotten off to a more successful start, maybe we would have gotten a Titanfall 3 <laughs> by now because the, the, you know, the brand would have, would have taken off more. I mean, I, one of my fondest, like, I'm the previews guy at IGN, so any, anything that hasn't come out yet, that coverage runs up through me. Either, either I'm playing it and covering it myself or I'm assigning that out, whatever it is, but it all runs up through me. And uh, probably my second favorite memory of ever of playing something early in a, in a preview setting is, is Titanfall 1. Wow. It was at Gamescom of 2013, you know, the year of the Xbox. That was the first time they were offering hands-on for Titanfall. And I just remember, you had to make an appointment because they're booked wall-to-wall. So we go in for our appointment, and, you know, these are, it's it's Vince Ampella, Jason West, and basically the Infinity Ward team who've all, you know, come over to EA and started started, uh, Respawn. And so just... That game was so dialed in from the jump, and you know, the, still you you know you hear like "Stand by for Titanfall" and the hairs on cool my arm list. go up. Yeah. And the the it was it was just this pure joy of a multiplayer game that I I like. I think I had to sweet talk the PR team. Uh, back, I'll give him a shout. Devin Bennett was the PR guy at EA back then. Like I had to try and sneak back in. At, like um, as many times as I could to, to play it again and again, it was, it was that good. That's and th- by the way, the number one memory uh, of, uh, is similar. It's the first time playing Halo 2 oh. uh, multiplayer. Zanzibar, single flag CTF, so cool. E3 2004, yep. behind closed doors, same thing. It's, they're booked wall to wall. We had our appointment, and then it's just like begging the PR people did, did anybody not show up? Can I can I jump in? And and I think I did get a couple more rounds. And that's the all timer of, you know, you knew instantaneously that Halo Two was very 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 special. Oh. But but Titanfall One, Titanfall had the same vibe. Like this is this is a legit thing that we're that's that, amazing. This is Ryan. happening right. That's now. really cool. You know, I <laughs> I have not gone to many conventions. Right, I've been thankful enough in 2019. I spent every dollar I had with me and my friends from Tahoe. I was like, we're going to go to these. So we went to E3, PAX West, and RTX. And I got to see you at E3 for a brief moment. But up at PAX West, my only time where I begged to be back in the booth was with Ilphonic and Predator. And I looked at them. I think Geo Corsi was there at the time. I was like, Geo, let me just hunt as the Predator nonstop. And they all <laughs> giggled, and I begged them, let me just keep running through this. I had so much fun. Uh, and that was a cool great. convention moment yeah. I'll never forget. Heck yeah. Uh, Want to circle, I guess I'm circling back to Forza again one more time. The announcement of Drivatars and Forza Motorsport 5. That was an awesome one in 2013. Hey, we're using the cloud. We're yep. gathering your data. We're also like, 
putting in how you race, and we're going to make a driver for you that's going to be racing all the time against your friends in cars you've never driven in before. The driver tars, that's a word in the gaming world that you will always remember. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I, would, I loved getting tweets and emails from unlocked listeners who'd be like, your drive avatar just ran me off the road. I'm like, yes, it did. Good job, me. Yeah. Good job, virtual me. Um, yeah, Forza, you know, for, not only drive avatars that Forza gets credit for, turn 10, uh, but also I'm almost positive that Forza, I think it was Motorsport 4, invented the rewind too. Like if you, if you cool. screwed up a, a turn, you know, just hold that Y button and rewind and go back. Like, that's another thing we take for granted now, too. Um, just to, again, an incredible franchise. I, again, I, I, this, I hadn't thought about the, the, this till recently, the, the rap I was giving you earlier about 12 games across two teams and near perfection every time. It's unreal. Like, Final Fantasy doesn't have that good of a track record. And Final Fantasy, again, I'm not trying to knock it. It's a great, revered, beloved series but they're not all nine out of tens or higher. 12 Forzas across Motorsport and Horizon, and you're talking about two, two development teams that have, that have never missed across the span of, I guess it's almost 20 years, because Forza wow. Motorsport 1 was 05, I think. Maybe Barrett can fact check me. Impressive, but, impressive. Um, yeah, I mean, so you, you know, we're talking about like upwards of 20 years, 12 games, insane track record and that's that's why like i'm happy for turn 10 to be taking their time i'm glad they're rebooting it for next gen only we're going to take full advantage of the series x and i can't wait to see what those guys deliver and i i, I think it's going to be october or november like i would be, okay i would be willing to make my classic in and out lunch bet i like that that it's going to come out this fall. Okay, I like May third, two thousand five was. Um, Ryan's right on it. Great yeah. stuff, Ryan. All right, well, I only have a little bit of time left with you today on the podcast, and I thought we'd do some rapid fire fun questions. Let's do it. And so we got some really good ones here. Our best friend uh, Luke Gage writes in and says, "Hey, Ryan." Gives you some really nice pleasantries about you and the podcast, but he writes, "You're skipping over those." <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Go ahead. He writes, <laughs> "I heard your discussion on last week's Unlocked about how Fable of currently announced Xbox IP is the IP that has the best chance of igniting major swath of gamers and potentially acting as a major pillar for Xbox." I'm thinking the type of IP that gets included on a Twitter image and announced in the upcoming game showcase as the Series X packaging. He wants to know. What are some of the faces that you think 10 years from now will be on the back of an Xbox package? Is it still Chief, or could it be something else? I'd be surprised if Chief wasn't still on there. I mean, I know Halo's in a weird place right now. Like, Infinite's moving on. Season 4 is coming. Infection coming to Halo Infinite. That's cool. Um, the, it's the single-player future, the campaign future of Halo that's really up in the air because is. I mean, they're going to have to do some more hiring at turn 10, excuse me, uh, 343, only because, again, I don't say that disrespectfully to anybody that's, that's still there, but a lot of senior people on the, the Infinite campaign team left, like Paul Crocker left. I mean, there's a, a Joseph Staten, obviously, as a director. Um, so there's, there will need to be some, and, and maybe they will elevate the existing talent and give them a shot at at those senior roles, those leadership roles. And 
and maybe we'll have a situation like what the next generation of id software developers after Carmack and Romero and, and all those people left and the Hugo Martin uh, era and, and the, you know, that team reinvented Doom, modernized it for the new generation and, and turned it into this awesome thing that's not just this classic first-person shooter, but it's a relevant modern thing. So maybe that's what's going to happen at 343 with the, with, where the talent will, will sort of rise from within. Maybe they'll, they'll go spend some money and, and bring in some outside talent. I don't know. But I do hope that, I certainly hope that, and, and expect that Chief's still going to be I agree featured with that. prominently. But um, certainly, I hope Starfield is one of those one okay. of those games. Now, okay. the interesting thing about Starfield, just real quick, and I'll get back to naming a yeah. few others. But if Starfield is a gargantuan hit, if it, if it is that eleven out of ten that you were talking about with Phil Spencer, that that hypothetical scenario that we would all love to see, that it's that it's that good. There isn't going to be a Starfield 2 for a long, long time because in an interview with me last summer, uh, it kind of weirdly went viral, I think because, mostly because Todd didn't talk to anyone else and he just happened. I didn't even know. He's like, like hey, Todd, can we, do a, can we just chat on, on air? And he was like, sure. And then it turned out like, oh, he didn't talk to anybody else. Well, that worked out well for me. <laughs> but he's, he straight up said, you know, Elder Scrolls Six is, yep. is in pre-production. It's their next game, and he, the, he said Fallout Five is our is after that. So if Starfield is huge, if it's a if it's a ten out of ten game of the year winning masterpiece, there isn't going to be a Starfield Two until I'm like nearing the end of my career. I'm 42 years old, so it's going to be a while, <laughs> um, unless they either. Uh, build a new internal team because currently, to uh, as far as I know, it's still not that the team hasn't gotten bigger, but I believe it. It is just the one Bethesda Game Studios team that Todd Howard is in charge of. There is they don't have like four teams going on in there to do like Fallout to do Elder. It's I believe I can't say that with 100% accuracy. That's always how it used to be, which is why they alternated. But like we went from Fallout Three to Skyrim, to Fallout 4, and now Starfield, because there aren't multiple teams yeah. there. So unless they do build another team within Bethesda Game Studios, or they bring in someone else from the Xbox family, whether it's, I mean, Obsidian's pretty busy. with a, but, They've got know, a lot going on, right? But yep. they, you know, there's been that relationship, Fallout New Vegas, like, you know, that's the first natural place. I mean, in exile is, is there, is in the building too, in terms of the Xbox family. So yeah, uh, unless either they, they build a second team or they get some help from one of the other Xbox game studios, Starfield is it for Starfield for, for quite a long time, which is weird um, for a game that like could be this huge, big new hit. But um, so yeah, as other stuff that could be on the back of the, yeah. The Xbox box. Uh, Avowed has that potential, I think. Okay. I mean, you know, you're talking about a team in Obsidian who they're I mean, they, they just made a 10 out of 10 game in Pentiment. Small team, you know, little little passion project from Josh Sawyer and and like 15 or 20 folks there and deserving of the 10 out of 10. Um, 
but in terms of their, their like full team efforts, you're talking about a team that weirdly over the years has always been, uh, do we curse here? You can curse. It, it has always been fine. kind of fucked over in some way or another. Like, oh. So uh, Lucas, they did Knights of the Old Republic 2, and Lucas went, oh, we need this out for the holidays, so ship it. And if you remember, you know, famously, the, there's a ton of bugs in that game when it launched, and the ending wasn't, it, they kind of had to just like throw together an ending, and the modding community, because all, all the files were like there, and the modding community has like gone back and kind of fixed that game, wow. the ending of that game. So they had that happen to them. They had uh, the they, South Park, The Stick of Truth, which is, by the way, one of my favorite role-playing games ever. Possibly the hardest I've ever laughed at a video game in my entire life. There are so many sequences in South Park, The Stick of Truth that are actually laugh-out-loud hilarious. Like, not that is no hyperbole that, you know, if you've played it, they like, nailed you know what I'm it. talking they about. They nailed it, oh, just, yeah. Like, where you're, like... I can't. I'm just going to start. No, I, I, I'll go down that road and just start recounting hilarious, not safe for work things from that game. But, but even that game, like, um, it, it changed from, like, THQ, like, kind of goes under in the middle of the development, and they end up having to go over to Ubisoft, and, um, and then they kind of get, like, edged out on the sequel, and Ubisoft, like, they did a good job. The Fractured Butthole was a good game, but it wasn't. Obsidian, it, I, I don't think it was as good as Stick of Truth. Um, you had uh, the uh, original IP they did with Sega that I, I think I reviewed it for OXM. Oh, shit. Well, Alpha Protocol. Oh, Which okay. was, again, like, needed more time in the oven. You had, they made, Josh Sawyer was making an Aliens RPG that, like, got killed. We should have had that game. So my point is that Obsidian has has kind of been like dicked around a lot. And now, now that they're with Microsoft, they have the freedom and the budget to go wild. And, and, and Avowed is going to be our first, like that's going to be the first example of that. Because again, no, no disrespect to Pentiment, that was like already in the, a smaller thing they were already working on. Um, I mean, two, uh, two world, wait, not two worlds. Outer Worlds. Thank you, Outer yeah. Worlds. Mm -hmm. Two Worlds was a <laughs> European RPG like, they, from way the hell back. They got a second yeah, game. Outer Worlds one. was, again, that, like, that was done under Private Division, a 2K label, yes. before uh -huh. the acquisition. Um, so, yeah, like, this is an extraordinarily long-winded way of saying that Obsidian, we are finally going to see them without any guardrails on them, it's without any, anything messing with them. And I think Avowed could be could be exactly what we need to tide us over till Elder Scrolls 6, because we're looking at probably five years oh, for Elder time. Scrolls 6. Like, actually, 2028 would yep. be, because you're, you're, you're talking about, even though they're already in pre-production on it, they'll have their technology base from Starfield, but it takes longer and longer to build these mega games, especially the kind of games that Bethesda Game Studios and Todd Howard build. The, the timelines are getting longer, not shorter. I mean, I don't think it's going to be eight years which is what Starfield has been, but I don't think it's going to be turned around in like half that, which would be four years. I think we're looking at five years for Elder Scrolls. So, so yeah, uh, Master Chief's on the box, uh, Starfield's on the box, Fable's got a great chance in Playground's hands to be on the box, Avowed's got a chance to be on the box. Um, there's, 
the, the, there's, some, there's a lot of reason to be optimistic and excited. Definitely. We're just sick of waiting. We're sick Which, of waiting. Again, it's no disrespect to the developers working hard on this stuff. It's just the unfortunate way that the chips have fallen, you know, whether you, you know, however, whether you want to hold Phil accountable, Matt Booty accountable, like whatever, however you want to kind of shake it out. It's just, it's been, and Phil took responsibility he on, did. Your, on your, he on did. your podcast. Very impressive. Yeah. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's just been a, we've just been, it, the, being an Xbox fan has been like being a, a Chicago Cubs fan pre-2016. Yes. Wait till next year. <laughs> Wait, and then you just hear that every year until now. We're just we're waiting for our our 2016, our our World Series uh, winning season, which I think it's it might finally be coming up. Could Redfall be looked back if, since we're giving sports analogies? <laughs> will Redfall be looked back on when the guy caught the ball in the outfield? Oh, and the, everybody... the, the uh, Steve Bartman play. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that, could well... Redfall be the Bartman for we all look back what? on? <laughs> Where they would have, they would have made it if yes. that, yo, if that, maybe it might be one maybe. day. You know? I mean, yeah. If if Starfield is that the home run eh, that we all want it to be, then yeah, we could have had Hi-Fi Rush yep. into Redfall, into Starfield, into Forza Motorsport, into Hellblade, into Avowed, and so on and so forth. Could so, be the moment. Is right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Redfall. <laughs> Maybe is, yeah, is, is Steve Bartman here. I have two final ones for you to be respectful of your time. Really quick, Indiana Jones or Perfect Dark for your personal preference? Excited for both, but I got to go with Indy. Even though, like, we have to acknowledge, uh, you know, for, for any Xbox, like, hardcore guys that really care about exclusives, which, again, you're all, you're well and good to do so. I'm just, men I think it, we have to mentally prepare ourselves for the possibility that Indiana Jones might not be exclusive. Mm, okay. Because that was a deal signed with LucasArts, Lucasfilm, prior to, or that, that may, well, actually, I think the timeline, we don't actually know, but that may have come prior to the, I think it did, uh, the, that that was announced. Anyway, there's a, there's a decent chance that that might end up being a deal that was signed to be a multi-platform game, um, Back before Bethesda was was owned by Microsoft, that felt right. That felt like that was happening right as the ink was drying yeah. on that deal, right? So and, again, that's not to. It, it, do, it still doesn't change the fact that I'm super psyched for, for what I mean. You're talking Machine Games, who again also has never missed smaller sample size overall than than a, a Turn Ten or a Playground, but you, you've got a team of people that have made some excellent Wolfenstein games, a couple of them plus an expansion, a great expansion or two. And the core of that team was born out of Starbreeze and the Chronicles of Riddick Escape from Butcher Bay and then the very excellent sort of standalone expansion follow-up uh, Riddick Assault on Dark Athena. So, uh, Mike, you might be a little bit young for, uh, little, little for young Escape for from little, Butcher Bay. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. One of, uh, I would probably... That, if that's not a top five original Xbox game of all time, it's absolutely top ten. Really? Okay. Go, like, look it up. Yeah. Um, check out, maybe, like, just watch a video or two of it. It, it was a first-person, mostly stealth game. It did have some guns in it, but you are, you are uh, Riddick breaking out of a prison, and the, it was one of the best-looking original Xbox games. The technology was insane. But but the gameplay backed it up. It was 
you know, you were creeping around in the dark because, you know, you've got the eye shine yes. thing from that Riddick's got. And, you're, I mean, it's that game. Okay. That, you got me some I'm homework. I like some that. Chat. Yeah, here we go. Uh, Madeline Stanley saying, my husband loved the Riddick games. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. So, Machine Games has a track record. They got a great track record, yep. And, but they've also, they've always worked in first person. Going back to Riddick. Mm-hmm. They've never done a third person game. And so it's one of, we're looking at one of two scenarios for Indiana Jones. Either it's a first person Indiana Jones game, which I think is less likely, but I think would be really cool to see. Like, right? Wouldn't like a f- going first person for Indy, like whip on one fra- hand, pistol the on the other yeah, hand? Like, yeah. I, that would be a really interesting take. Uh, or it's, it's machine games breaking out of their comfort zone a little bit and doing a third-person Indiana Jones game. Uh, and, and it's almost certain to be... Oh, here's some... See, Barrett's got some Riddick footage up. It's tough to just watch, especially it's like it's a very... But, you know, it, even this, you can tell, like, if you, if you try to transport yourself back a little bit in time, like, this was one of the best-looking games you'd ever seen in your life. Wow. To this point. Uh, All right. I would anyway, take that homework assignment from him. Yeah. Check it out. Uh, you could, yeah, you could throw bodies, which was fun back then. Uh, and we're, we're, it's highly likely that, that Indiana Jones is being built on id tech because that's what machine games has mm-hmm. worked with ever since they were acquired by Bethesda. Uh, so, and, and we know that engine runs like butter. Yeah, it, it, they've already tuned it for next gen. They, we got a Doom Eternal next gen update, next gen patch. So id tech, it's id tech six 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 is what we're up to now. Uh, it, id tech is is it's it's optimized. It runs great. It looks great. I mean, Doom Eternal still looks awesome even three years later. So yeah, uh, Perfect Dark. I would love to see it, but after you know hearing all the reports of the development turmoil going on at the team over there again we don't know if that's if that's totally accurate or not but what we do know is we haven't we've never seen that video game other than a conceptual cinematic trailer yep, from yep. three two and a half years yep. ago so wait some time um i'll be excited when the time comes but for now yeah i'm choosing indie i like that two. i like that choice well i'm gonna leave you with this ryan because i know you're a big inside guy. You like limbo. You love these games. And I know you said you haven't got enough time yet with Planet of Lana. Correct. But, of course, I did our kind of funny review over on the Games Daily when that did release. Uh, that went up on Monday. I was able to talk about that. What you think But of I it? gave it a four out of five. A great okay. game. Yeah. I, Ryan, I was blown away. It's not my kind of cup of tea, my style, but I've played inside limbo. And throughout the whole experience, the visuals, unbelievable. The soundtrack is also so wintry on that good. soundtrack, right? It's amazing, yeah. right? And so the coolest part about this is all I was playing it, I was thinking, man, this is knocking at the door of one of these indie titles that will be talked about for a long, long time. It, it's and just, it's that good, Ryan. I, I believe you, and I want to play the heck out of it. It's, uh, I, it's, it's in a tough spot in terms of, you know, it doesn't have a big multi-million dollar marketing budget. All it has is basically the word of mouth, word of, mouth of, yeah. of folks like, like us where, you know, it's sitting here, like people are playing Zelda right now. They're playing Star Wars Jedi Survivor. They're about to 
to lace them up in Diablo. Yeah. There are, you know, if you've got a PlayStation 5, you're you're chomping at the bit for Final Fantasy 16. So I it's tough. Like I and just uh, I did unlocked, but right before coming over here, we ended up recording on Tuesday randomly this week. We normally do Wednesday, but I was kind of similarly talking about Star Trek Resurgence. Also out this wow. week, IGN gave it a 7 out of 10, uh, but it's, it's, it's ex-Telltale developers. And it's a, it is a straight, it is a very good Telltale cool. Star Trek game, just not by Telltale, from former Telltale folks. That, yeah, it's like, it's just a tough time where it's, it's going to be tough to even just get anybody to, to, like, even look at it, let alone go ahead and spend money on it because you're trying to get your money's worth out of these other, you know, 20, 30, 100-hour, like, blockbuster games that, that we're all in the middle of right now. So, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that Keep it on you your really list. liked Planet of Lana. I'll give the quick sales pitch to everybody out there. Four to six hour experience, so it's not going to take up a bunch it. of your night. As a dad, this this yeah. makes me very might happy. be able to knock it out one night, maybe you sparse it out to two. But truly, I beat it in about four and a half hours. Yep. Like I said, get it on the biggest TV, enjoy these these visuals, get the headphones, crank them up to eleven because the music rivals moments of Star Wars with that composing. When you're playing Marvel mo movies, you're like, wow, music's kicking. It's that good wow. type situation. And so I was really impressed with playing Alana. On Game Pass for console and PC, another no, no big argument. win for friends. Yeah. So I hope you all check that out. I wanted to pass that one on to you since you gave me a little homework. I'll check out Riddick <laughs> so I can talk about it on next week's podcast. You're gonna come. You're gonna. You're gonna DM me and you're gonna be like, "Oh my God, you are so <laughs> right about this. How did I ever not play this?" That's awesome, Ryan. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's Kind of Funny X-Cast. It is a special moment for me because you have been such a role model and mentor to me, and I, I've looked up to you for a long time. So thank you, Ryan, for being on the podcast. I appreciate you having me. You're very kind. Thanks, uh, You're doing excellent work over here. I'm so glad that uh, that monster Greg Miller, that fanboy, that yes. PlayStation fanboy Greg Miller, finally said, all right, let's, let's hear from the other uh -huh, side. Uh -huh. Let's get the Xbox guy. No, you, I love Greg. I, I, I adore uh, everybody here. Uh, I, know, I know almost everybody here in, in some way, shape, or form from over the years. And, uh, you know, you and I are newer friends. Yes. But it's been great. And I, I'm just grateful for you to have me on. And uh, you're doing good stuff here, my Thanks, friend. Thanks, Ron. I appreciate that. Stuff. Next time, my gaming dads will be back with you. Greg will take us all out to in and out because I know he's jazzed up about that. Three by three, plain, well done fries. Well that's done, the fries. That's is my the order. Answer, Ryan. Yes, that's I, my order. I I don't know what I saw. It must have been a TikTok. Maybe it was you getting into my mind. The last two times I've gone in and out, well done, fries. Best fries I've ever had from them. Best it's, fries. It's it again. I know the 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 in and out fries get hated on, and I don't. I I, res I respect that. I don't disagree necessarily. They're not the best fries. You get them well done. It does take them up. A yes. level. To, oh, yeah. yeah. It's That's the way to go. Impressive you know, stuff. There's cheese fry people out there. There's animal style fry people out there. For me, just, just give them to me well done and I'm happier. Triple, triple plain. I yeah. remember three that order. Three by three. All All secret right. menu both on both fronts. I like that. Well, kind of funny, best friends. We'll be back next week with one Andrea Renee to Excellent. round out oh, a nice three-week uh, ex experience of all guests. So thank you all so much for joining us. We'll catch you back here next week. Have a good one, gamers. Peace.